seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride illegal trail. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. Those Afaka is a Chinese down here. Using snowboarders together on a run, you're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis and they just think they can overcome the world. The more you around, the more you're going to find out. I like to think that death is out of the question. The life starts at 40 miles an hour. You ride the chairlift for two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know. Welcome to Mind the Track with Powbot and Trail Whisperer, ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today is March 14th, 2023, and we're recording today from Studio TW on the banks of the Truckee River in the suddenly snow-free Verdi, Nevada. This is episode four. I'm going to call this one Dodging the Bullet. <laughs> Here with Powbot here in, in Verdi. Powbot, welcome back. What's up, man? Another episode. Here we are. We're doing it. Number four. Number four. Yeah. A special guest today. We we hauled him all the way from next door neighbor, about 50 feet away. <laughs> My next door neighbor here in Verdi, Sam Hamilton. Sam, welcome to Mind the Track, man. Hey, hey. Thanks for having me. Right on. Yeah, Sam, uh, he is a new neighbor, and, uh, well, he's not, he's my new neighbor. He's been in the neighborhood for a while, but uh, he moved in last, was it, that was year and a half, a year, yeah. And, yeah, a year ago, a little over a year ago, and uh, best neighbor you can have because he's into all the things that we're into. Two core lords living <clears throat> next to each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, Love neighboring it. core lords. Absolutely. So did you, did you decline? Did you move down from Tahoe, Sam? Uh, I just moved down from up the street, but it okay. was funny because I did have a, a an extensive interview process with all my neighbors before I moved in to make sure that they were going to be adequate neighbors. And so I was glad to hear that I, I had somebody next door who was into the, the same stuff that I was going to be in, who wasn't going to get too upset when I built a half pipe in the backyard 20 feet from his house. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I was cool with that. <laughs> Have you gone over and shredded the ramp yet, Kurt? No, I hang out on the ramp. Okay. I don't shred. My my days of shredding a ramp are over, man, because I'll sh- I'll get shredded on the ramp. So I'm just gonna chill and watch. Did you ever learn how to drop in on a ramp? I yeah, in high school. Okay, good. Yeah. I think that's an essential skill for all extreme sports. You should be able to totally. drop in and pump fakie on a vert ramp, <laughs> yeah. and if you can, you understand transition. That's right. And it's such a huge skill. It doesn't matter what sport you do, whether it's surfing, mountain biking, skiing, snowboarding, any board sport in particular, but even any sport with wheels. Like if you know how to pump a tranny, you're winning. Oh, yeah. So true. Never thought of it that way. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like my dad tried to teach me, you know, my life skills he was trying to get me to teach or, or to learn were, were tennis and golf. And I, I just went and learned how to drop in on a vert ramp and everything's been good since then. <laughs> Yeah, well, Sam, thanks for being here. I know it was a long travel to get over here, 50 feet, but uh, we appreciate your effort to make it for episode four of Mind the Track. Uh, I said dodging the bullet a second ago, and what I'm referring to is, you know, last week at this time, uh, when we were talking with our guest Scott Kessler, uh, we were fearing this uh, 
atmospheric series of atmospheric rivers that were going to pummel Tahoe with allegedly 20 inches of rain. Um, thankfully we have the storm that was projected for late last week. Didn't really materialize like they said it would. We dodged a bullet. Dodged a bullet on that one. And then this storm, it seems as it came to Tahoe, it split. It went north and south and not through the middle. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's been doing the rain dance. Yeah. Funny. All these years I've been cursing the split and I'm finally grateful for it. Well, that's, I was going to say, you know, this is one of the few times where missing the forecast was actually a good thing, right? Because like we're a lot of times just like, oh, they didn't hit the forecast right. Yeah. What, so, what, what has been the prevailing? So you guys have been getting out this week, even though it's been raining down here. What has been the prevailing uh, elevation for snow rain line? I feel like it's been pretty much right on point with the forecast. Between sixty five and seventy five hundred. Mm-hmm. Yep, and above and above seventy five, above eight has been downright fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we went from like the most deep blower of all blower pow to what do you call it Pinot Noir. Yeah, but well, Pinot Noir to me is is elevated cream cheese. Cream cheese is fun. Yeah, it's it fast is, pow. It is right? fast pow. Fast I mean, pow. The, the I like Eskimos have fifty words for snow. And the, the the types of snow we've had this week, I think to me, just have two. It's been cream cheese or Pinot Noir. Yeah. And Pinot Noir to me is better cream cheese because it's really silky and smooth. Yeah. But it's been cream cheese above 8,000 feet. Uh, Rose has been skiing good. Yeah. And I think people that got upper bits of Palisades Tahoe, the upper bits of KT were skiing okay for a few runs and then it just turned to slush. Is that what you're, because uh, you were over there, Sam, right? Yep. I did some Palisades, did some Mount Rose. Yep. And yep. what was what were the better laps? Uh, well, shoot seventy five. The top half was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cream cheese. Yeah, yeah. Spreading it on spreads <laughs> with your butter knife. <laughs> well, um, like we said, we're thankful to dodge the bullet. Uh, it has not rained as much as they said it was going to, so it might preserve um, some some of the snowpack and and uh, and prevent some people from having more destruction and carnage than what we've been seeing. We're going to dive into some of that here in a little bit because um, you know over this past week with all the rain, it, it definitely has. Uh, it's had been a an slow impact. roll. Yeah, it's, it. thankfully, right? So the flooding has been, it's been a thing, but it hasn't been as catastrophic as they were forecasting. Um, the structural damage of buildings, though, has pretty much uh, it started lived up to what they've been fearing. Um, before we dive into that, though, I would like to kind of dive into our, our guest tonight and his background and get to know Sam a little yeah. bit better. Um you know, my first introduction to Sam was, you know, when he moved in a year and a half ago, he had been in living in the neighborhood for a while, but I, I loosely knew him because I would see him down at the river. You know, we'd be hanging out at the Truckee and I'd see him with his daughter, Brighton, and they'd go swimming. And, and uh, I remember seeing you guys kayaking too one time past the house. Um, so it's fitting that they live right. I mean, Sam is like the last house on the block right before the river. So, um, he and his wife and his daughter, they're all active whitewater, um, kayaker rafters. Uh, Sam's a rafting guide. He's a skiing guide. He is a skateboarder. He is a surfer. He is a skier. He is a mountain biker. What else do you do? I think that covers it. (laughs) (laughs) So he's, he is the headlines, a man of many interests. And so I knew we were going to be fast friends. 
Um, and so Sam, tell us a little bit about your background, um, your, your variety of interests and, and a little bit about your family. Yeah. Um, well, I guess what brings us here is skiing and that's really kind of where my life's been centered around from the beginning. My mom was a ski instructor, East coast, Massachusetts, Neshoba Valley, East Coast shout out. Uh-huh. If anybody knows it, Neshoba Valley local right here. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I grew up hanging out at the ski school um, and then followed that my whole life. Uh, taught skiing is the, the, the entire way um, and worked as a, a free ride coach and an instructor trainer and various things. And most recently um, working as a, a backcountry and snowcat skiing guide in Tahoe in the Eastern Sierra. So that's, that's uh, kind of where that's at now. And it's really kind of remained the center of, of our focus. My wife was a, a pretty accomplished snowboarder as well. And um, fortunate for us, we raised a daughter who is, feeling strongly about skiing as well. And she's a very competitive ski racer. And so um, we are still skiing pretty much every day as a family. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good. I see you guys leaving every morning. I'm like having my morning coffee and reading the newspaper or whatever. And I look out the window and I can always hear the the studded tires going by. And I knew, I know it's the the Hamilton family heading to Palisades. (laughs) This is true. That's dedication. 6.30 in the morning every Mm day, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Getting through the mouse hole early from Verdi's emission. Becoming more so every year. Oh, speaking of Verdi, did you hear the train? So we might have some train noise in the background, but that's just way of life here on the on the Truckee River. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. So growing up on the East Coast, those give the East Coast gives you skills that a lot of people maybe don't have when they grew up out West. And I think that's such a good skill set to have, like being able to rip variable snow and ice. It's just, it puts you on a path just to be that much better of a shredder. It's a good one for sure. But I, I, I will say, I think that the biggest thing of all is, is just doing it every day whether you're doing it on a hundred foot tall hill or on a three thousand foot tall hill true going every day yeah i mean every every gnarly skier that i know in tahoe is from vermont straight up i think they have some kind of an exchange program here in tahoe because i swear like every single skier that i know who is really gnarly is from vermont or new england but mostly from vermont it's almost like I, in I, my friend of mine is a sociologist and I was like, you need, somebody needs to do like an advanced research study to figure out like how so many syrup heads ended up in Tahoe, right? Like, you know, there's so many Vermonters out here and it's like back in the eighties, I got to imagine one guy from Vermont or a gal from Vermont ended up here and then was like, this place rules. I love Tahoe. And then like radioed back to Vermont and was like, Hey, I got an extra room. Yeah. I got an extra room. Come on out, you know? And then like just started this wave of, of Vermonters coming to, coming to Tahoe. But it's true. Tahoe is like the best version of the Northeast. Right. (laughs) Totally. Every day. (laughs) With more sun. (laughs) That's what I mean. Yeah. Better snow and better everything. But anyway, not it's just it's a lot home prices in vermont are a lot more affordable yeah people are going back there but. yeah so tell us a little bit about the the snowcat operation that you work for i've i've had the opportunity to do one trip down there oh, uh, good. in uh 
it was after the big cycle of February of 19. We were down there in early March and had a, had a great trip. Got, I think got to ski some fun things and yeah, it's great. a cool, cool operation. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that spot? Sure. So, uh, high Sierra snowcat and we're based out of Bridgeport and we operate in Virginia lakes Canyon and we've got a couple of yurts built up there, up in the canyon. And so we run multi-day snowcat-assisted backcountry trips. Mm -hmm. And uh, the skiing is the full spectrum between um, never start up a snowcat and spend a whole day touring to cat laps where you hop out of the cat and the cat picks you up at the bottom. Um, but most of the time it's somewhere in the middle of that where, uh, we'll use the snow cat to access a zone or use a cat to get us partway up something that will finish skinning to the top. And then the cat will come around and pick you up at the bottom, but we've got about 9,000 acres out there and, um, it's a, it's a lot it's of a good size. It's a good size tenure. Yep. It really is. Yeah. Our, our camp is at uh, 9,400 feet. And so that's we don't really ski anything too much lower than that. Um, and the, the highest peaks are about 12 and a half. So we've got about 3000 vertical that we work with right there. But and a year like this, you could do when we exited actually that year on our last day, Tim's wife picked us up on three. We did the ski all the way down to 395. Oh, great. And skied out of there on our last day. Yeah. That was kind of a treat. That'd be a good one to do right now if 395 yeah, right. was open. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah. I mean, that's let's give that one a shout out. Like that, uh, people should check out the helicopter footage from three ninety five. The the I'll give a a plug for. I think his name's Tyler Castro. He's at 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 T Castro on Instagram, but he's a heli pilot down there on the east side, and he's been posting some pretty wild videos and footage of the mayhem that has ensued there around Mona Lake. And how long has three ninety five been closed now? Sam? I don't even know. Weeks. I think it's been two, at least two to three weeks. Yeah. And then there, I did see another video after the first one he posted, and then there was more slides. There was actually some wet slide debris. Just recently? Just recently. I just saw that. That yeah. was the one. And then you think, Kurt, you sent me a little plug about how pe- <laughs> someone was angry that people were then skiing the same zone yes. yeah. adjacent adjacent to the to the slide path. And I texted him back, and I just said, the skier's going to ski. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was like, just put the locals in charge of it. They probably got a better pulse on what's what's going on with the conditions (laughs) than than Galtrans. Yeah, it was. I think it was Mono Mono County. Maybe their tourism agency or whatever on their social media was like, please don't ski the slide paths over the highway. (laughs) And as I understand it, what's going on with that closure is that they had installed a whole bunch of fencing to keep rock falls from landing on the road, Okay, which is a problem. And now the avalanches have ripped all that off and dragged it across the road. And deposited it on the road. And so they can't just run a blower through there. And because it's a just blow it all out debris. It's full of metal. Oh, God. jeez. <laughs> oh, it's like a worst case scenario. Yeah, that's why it's taken weeks. So have you been able to work down there at all in the last two weeks? Have, have you guys operated? We have not been able to operate mm-hmm. basically because of the closed roads. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it would be tough conditions, but we could get there and we could do it. But the, the hard part is um, the roads are closed. Well, I, I'll give a shout out too for you guys because I, I think that one of the other things that you guys do a fair bit of is avalanche education out of that facility as well. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. And you do level one, level two. 
uh, yep. area, area courses for people that are just getting into the backcountry. It's yeah, a, we're I an would, area provider. I would give that place a plug because what a what a cool way to take your area one is to be able to go do your area one, but really also get a hut. It is. Experience. It's, it's like a one a one plus for sure. It's a one plus, but also yeah. just the in, but also the experience of it all. Yep, it's got to be a way better way to do doing your level one or level two. Yep, get to live in the snowpack for a few days. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, how many of those do you do a year? Is like, what's your percentage of of just ski trips versus most of the trips are are just ski trips, but okay. um, we'll schedule two or three uh, avalanche education trips at the beginning of the year. Cool. Usually December is when those go down, cool. possibly January. I remember you mentioned to me, uh, it's probably back in January, maybe. Tell us that story about you guys um, in that big flat runout zone that you've never seen a slide come through. Yep, yep. So that was, uh, I was there on a trip <clears throat> um, in our first big cycle. So that was uh, mid January. And I was there over a three-day period where it snowed approximately five feet in camp. So uh, really just an amazing amount of snow to try and keep up with, um, with a snowcat and shovels. Uh, and we had a group who was there to ski, and that was, that was the plan, was trying to take them skiing. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's just so much work. I mean, the fact is a snowcat just can't go driving up a mountain after five after feet five of feet. snow. Um, no matter how good the snowcat is, it's, a you know, it's just going to start augering in and finding the bottom and every little, um, off camber bit of terrain that you hit, it just drifts off to the side. So you, you really have to build a road anywhere you go. And so that entails backing up and using the blade and packing it down and then drive 10 feet forward and then do it again. And so it just takes hours to get anywhere. So anyhow, uh, you know, normal snow storms that it, these problems don't exist. If, if it's a couple of feet of snow, you can just drive on your old roads. But when it snows five feet and the drifts are double that, um, you definitely, uh, it's a different ball game. So anyway, we were out there for <clears throat> three days and, of course, you're facing the situation of it's too much snow to ski anything that isn't steep. Of course, you can't ski anything steep because the avalanche danger is too high. And so uh, we'd been fighting that problem for several days and trying to get to terrain that we could access. And on the final day, I went to a zone that something that I usually consider fairly safe terrain and on the approach, we get out there and find a forest of trees that had been snapped in half. And that was on the wow. opposite side of the hill that it had slid from. And that was an approach that I'd never used before. And, and as I got to it, I thought, oh, look how interesting. This is a, uh, a historical slide path. And... Um, then as we rolled into it, we could see, oh, look, these are green trees and there's still snow packed on the side of them that's exposed to the mountain. And, and so we realized like this had actually just happened and it was probably a 300 foot wide section of forest of trees that were 15 to 20 inches that were 
snapped in half. And that was across the meadow from the side that it had slid from and and going up the uphill side. And uh, so anyway, it was a, a historic avalanche. It was a that fifty or hundred years long. Had occurred while we were in camp. You know, it was a good mile or so from us. We weren't in any danger, but uh, it was a very eye-opening thing to roll into and see that like, yeah. that had just occurred naturally, probably in the last seventy-two hours. So that then you know that's kind of a hard thing to balance then with your guests and just sort of having to reel your program back a little bit and. Well, actually, it's a great thing because then... They saw a, it. Exactly. Yeah. You, there, no explanation is required as to why we're not headed out because it had continued to snow. And the, the trippy thing about that was that there was no fresh debris. There was no rubble because it had all been snowed upon. So everything was really lovely looking until you walked into this forest and, and saw and the evidence of the trees. Yeah. But it, it didn't have the normal look of a a post avalanche scene wow. with, you know, all turned up snow and it was really beautiful looking except for all this flattened forest. It was probably about the same time we were out at the Frog Lake hut, Kurt. It was about, yeah, it was probably, yeah, it was similar, probably that storm almost cycle. That same storm cycle. Yep. He's, we were out at another hut during that big cycle in January and it snowed five feet overnight on us and the programs got reeled back real, real quickly. Yeah. No, we had to uh, stick to very safe slopes for for that day. Yeah. Uh, there's been some other interesting helicopter footage, too, that I'll bring up. I saw a pretty neat uh, video from Telluride just recently in the last 48 hours, but they, they blast Ajax, which is the big peak that's down valley in town there, and they have to do it by helicopter. That's the only way they can really get get in there and, and control that. It's a big slope that's over it's it's overhanging the old Ajax mine, mm-hmm. which is on the the far end of town. But it's pretty neat when they do it now because it's sort of like a, a town fiasco. Everybody piles into Main Street and then people have cocktails. And then the, the Helitrax, <laughs> the Helitrax company like, you know, flies over Ajax and yeah. they drop they drop a couple of bombs out of the helicopter and then boom, then you know, they, they get Ajax to, to go and the, the slide path ends up terminating in this huge, like thousand foot cliff. So it creates this amazing visual thing that it's like a snow water. Yeah. It's like a snow waterfall (laughs) that goes off and creates a huge plume and the the plume looks like it's going to come into town and everyone's cheering and stuff. But that one was a pretty cool, uh, thing to see. People can look that one up. And then the other wild footage I saw, I don't know if you guys saw this one, but the, there was a, uh, one of the, water companies or somebody in California had used a water helicopter for putting out a fire and they scooped a big old bucket of water and brought it over to an adjacent slope that was, I think was hang fire over like one of their dams or one of their operations. It was PG&E, I think. It was PG&E. Mm-hmm. Is that who it was? And then so. they dropped mm-hmm. this bucket full of water on this north facing, looked like really fun skiing, mm-hmm. you know, this huge pillowed face and the thing, they got it to rip huge. Yep. yep. I saw that one. It was the first time I'd ever seen water Water as a trigger. As as a trigger. Yeah. That was cool. Makes sense. That was a pretty, pretty cool clip I saw this week. Not sure it's the most efficient way of going about that, but (laughs) But, hey, it works. Well, yeah. When you got the lake right next to the hang fire, (laughs) it's easy to get to. I was skiing with a buddy last week and he was uh, talking about his ice dam issues in Truckee at his house in Tower Donner. And he was, he couldn't get this one section of his roof to go. 
and I, I started telling him a story about how I was sitting on a couple M1000s that a friend had given me. <laughs> and and my, I, my wife won't let me light those things off anymore because we got the cops called on us on the 4th of July a couple of years ago because I lit one off finally. But I was, I told, I told <laughs> him the I whole was, town. I told, oh, yeah. It was a, like, I think it shook the Hyatt and we're like a mile from there. <laughs> There was a woman at the party that thought it had actually injured her baby in her womb. That's how that's how powerful that's how powerful an M one thousand is. But like, I gotta say, I was pretty surprised when I lit the thing off. But I I, t I told my buddy, I was like, hey, I could give you a couple of these things and you should just throw them up on your roof. But he, we never got around to it. But I'll bet you it would have worked. Take them skiing with you. Yeah, no, I had thought about it, but no, I don't want to do that. I, I'm pr I'm pretty good at putting in a ski cut these days. Sam, tell us a little bit about uh, your daughter and her and her exploits in ski racing. It's been really awesome to see her trajectory over these past couple of years and just like the passion that she has. Yep, it's been a fun journey, definitely. Um, to try and summarize it, you know, we're a, a skiing family, obviously, and so she grew up skiing, and um, you know, we got her her. her first year racing really wasn't until she was nine, which might sound like a pretty early start, but in these sports, uh, that's really not. Um, she showed up at uh, her first race in the Tahoe League, which is the, the local kind of practice series. And um, out of uh, what 80 or so racers, she was mid-pack, you know, getting getting 40th or so. And that was kind of how the season went. And that was a little bit of a surprise to us because we were sort of like, geez, she's been skiing since she could walk. And I thought she was pretty good. And she's, you know, halfway into the pack here in the practice league. Um, and, you know, ski racing is one of those things kind of like gymnastics or probably some others that I'm not familiar with where, uh, to be competitive on the world stage, you're starting as soon as it's possible to get started and, um, starting on that competitive track. And, and that really wasn't exactly where we were at at that stage, but, um, she took to it, loved it. If there's anything that she can compete at, that's what she wants to do. If there's an opportunity to compete, she'd like to. And uh, so anyhow, um, we moved up into the, the Far West League, which is the, uh, the regional local version of the National League. And uh, so she's been now racing for five seasons and, and has moved her way up and is now um, regularly on the podium. And so in, in the top three, and so it's been, uh, it's been a, a major commitment on her part. Um, she's, she's just super into it. She skis five days a week and, um, lives and breathes ski racing. She's at home working out on her own time and, um, that's what she wants to do. And, uh, so yeah, we live and breathe ski racing. That's <laughs> well, I'm glad that it's that yeah. in that order, right? It's. It's a little bit disheartening when the parents are the ones that are living and breathing ski racing and they're forcing it on their kids. But when the kid is the one that's driving the energy to make it happen and like the, it, all you got to do, right. Is just write the checks and be supportive. And yep, just there's like, a good part of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that happens. And show up and go, and go skiing with all the other moms and dads that are skiers yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm thrilled that, that 
her event happens to occur at a ski resort. So right. when yeah, we're there, the <laughs> there's something for me to do. So it's, it's besides <laughs> just watch. It's probably been a pretty challenging year then, eh? It's been a really with, hard year. With all of the storms and pow. And, yep, yep. I mean, you guys normally go to MAM. I've, I'm good friends with CJ Pearson, who has a daughter that's a ski racer as well on the Alpine team. And I'm always talking with him about what they're doing. And he's he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to Mammoth. And then he texts us back and he's like, oh, yeah, now we're not going to Mammoth. Yeah. Yeah. We're Right now, we're at least half of our races have been canceled. Wow. Yeah. And, or postponed. And we'll see whether they can actually run again. They get postponed and rescheduled. And then they get canceled. So that's kind of been the... The, the way of the year. Um, and all skiing is good skiing. You know, if you're a ski racer, uh, free skiing is a really important part of it. But yeah, we've been at this point free skiing for getting on towards three weeks because we haven't been able to set a course anywhere. So we're ready to uh, get a little bit of high pressure and a little bit firmer snow, actually, believe it or not. <laughs> One thing that struck me... Um was when Sam told me all about like the number of pairs of skis that his daughter has to have every season. It's it's wild. What six six pair? How many pair? Yeah, I mean it sort of depends where you're at on this and what you can swing. Uh you, you certainly have to have a pair for each event. So that's slalom, giant slalom and super G. Mm-hmm. Then you gotta have a pair of free skiing skis mm-hmm. and you early season you really can't be skiing on any of your racing skis so you need something to train on that's a rock ski um so that that brings you to a a minimum of five pairs and um then a lot of the racers like to have it's certainly a luxury but nice to have a pair of inspection skis so that you can get your fresh tune and your fresh fresh wax on your race skis, mm-hmm. but you're not warming up on those skis so that when it comes time to the course, you're putting on your brand newly tuned skis for the actual race. Mm-hmm. And so some racers will have a second pair of skis for each of those events, a second pair of slaloms, GS and super G skis. And we're, we're somewhere in that spectrum. That's a pretty vast quiver. <laughs> it's pretty crazy to have to replace every year. And are you t- are you t- helping tune, or are you having someone else locally t- t- tune tune all the skis? I, I maintain them. You're, yeah, good. yeah. So we've got you know make sure everything starts the season with a good grind and a really yep. good tune, and then That's as long as we take care of them, I can maintain them. Right on. We well, we, Kurt and I have talked about it, but dope is king. Dope is king. Dope is king, man. That's right. <laughs> it's all about, and it's me being a snowboarder. It's, it's, I'm, That's right. I'm fully into dope is king because that that way I can just have that little bit of advantage to keep up with my skier friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what advice do you have for parents? Because I mean, you guys aren't, you know, living in Martis Camp and with this uh, fu type of money, um, and ski racing is expensive. What advice do you have for parents out there who have kids who want to get into ski racing to do it on a on a budget of some sort that's not going to break you financially? Yeah, uh, the, I'll tell you the biggest one regarding all those pairs of skis that I can give you is a little plug for the Start House. They do a fall sale every year that they host a ski swap, and uh, you know I don't think that they 
are making a whole lot of money out of it. They're putting in a ton of effort to make it happen. But there are so many families who have all these pairs of skis that they have to turn over every single year. And the majority of these skis are really well taken care of because they're race skis. And there are so many of them that if a family wants to move them at all, they have to be priced affordably Mm -hmm. and so it's wonderful because labor day every labor day right that's the one at the end of the summer yeah yeah. Yeah. uh every year labor day they run that sale and um you can show up and buy you know a pair of skis that is a relevant well taken care of modern pair of race skis for 125 to 175 dollars oh that's huge yeah so to be able to walk out of there with five pairs of skis for seven or eight hundred dollars um is amazing plus you're probably turning in yours and so you're getting a a a good refund from all the ones that you just sold too Mm -hmm. so that's i mean five pairs of skis sounds really intimidating to have to buy as a racer parent but uh really if you can you know sell three or four hundred dollars worth and spend seven or eight you know that that's actually a, a a pretty manageable number yeah especially for that number of pairs of skis yep yep and then the other the other big one for us is i work at the mountain i work at palisades where she is a team member and so that gets us passes for the family and half price on ski team and so nice. you know every mountain um, has got their own arrangement as far as how much, how many days you have to put in in order to get how much out of it. Um, but if you work enough days, you can cover a large percentage of that. And that makes a really big difference too. Yeah. And then what about travel? Are you guys traveling a lot? We are. And we, we also apply for a lot of the local scholarships. There's all kinds of scholarships for young ski racers. Mm-hmm. And, and that really turns out to be a, a fun and uh, engaging part of the process too, is, uh, you know, she puts together all of these applications at the beginning of the season and she doesn't get all of them, but you know, they, they want to see what your report card looks like and they want to see some photos of you skiing and they want to see some of your race results and hear a little it's kind of like a college application yeah they're like building resumes. what are you applying yep. what That's is cool. what are you applying who are you applying to for these scholarships so there's all sorts of organizations that host one so uh one that she got this year is the master's program so far west which is the uh the california division of the ussa uh-huh. uh is has a, a master's league so that's i don't know what age and up but it's the the older division this and guy's so my age they yeah <laughs> and so they um they have a scholarship fund and so they take on a bunch of applications every year and if you uh qualify for their applicant for their scholarship uh then they ask you to come and forerun a master's race which is it's always an honor to forerun a race um and then speak at their award ceremony and basically just have a chance to say thank you to people who've helped contribute to her season that's so cool yeah that's yeah. a great community thing so there is there, there's a, a whole slew of uh uh, of these scholarship programs that are out there. And um, so 
yeah, they're they're through the ski resorts, they're through the USSA, and they're through other independent organizations. So, um, you know, those are while ski racing is probably one of the more expensive sports to try and participate in, there are really some some good ways to make it available to regular people. Mm-hmm. They're helping with the barrier to entry on it. That's yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the keys to keeping the sport alive. It's gotten, right, it continues to get more and more expensive. And we hear about it all the time, how unaffordable skiing is. And the key to keeping the sport alive in the future generations is you got to keep it affordable somehow. Interested in your bicycle? Contact me ASAP. Hmm. Hi, which bike are you interested in? Yes. The bicycle. I pay top dollar. Hmm. Right, but I have a couple for sale. I can wire you $4,000 now. Just give me your bank account and social security number? I don't even know who you are. I am Nigerian Prince? Serious buyer? There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zink and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Sendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Sendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, Google Play, or visit sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy, charter partner of Mind the Track. Now, back to the show. Yeah. Yeah. What, you know, one other thing that uh, Sam and his family is, re- is really into is getting out of the snow and heading south and hitting the skate parks and the surf. And Sam uh, last year turned me on to a hot tip about San Leo State Beach down in uh, Cardiff, which I used to live in. San- I lived in San Diego for five years, so like that was one of my spots was down along Cardiff. Um, but the State Beach, if you want a camp spot, eight a.m. every morning. Oh, don't give it away! <laughs> don't worry, nobody listens to this podcast. So we're good. <laughs> 8 a.m. every morning, they release the cancellations. And so if you log on, you can always, and Sam was like, you can always get a spot. I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, dude, I swear to God, every day, just log on to 8 a.m. And so I sure as heck, man, I logged on to 8 a.m. And Swan John and I scored this freaking money spot right on the lagoon. Surf break right out front. Right, literally, 100 feet, man unbelievable and we parked the rv there and surfing right out of the rv it was pretty awesome and so they go down there quite a bit and um hit skate parks tell us a little bit about your exploits down south with the family oh man you know it's a amazing place to go and surf and skate and uh we're sort of equally into both of those things the the surfing is obvious everybody knows socal is a great place for surf and it is um uh, but the skate skateboarding is is really kind of eye-opening coming from anywhere else in the world, at least certainly from here um, in northern Nevada, 
Northern California, we've got skate parks, but uh, you know, around there, every town has a world-class skate park. And yeah. uh, it's just an amazing thing to go and be a part of because you go to any of these skate parks and on any given day, you're likely to run into your heroes if you're following that kind of thing because the pros are there and they're out there skating and accessible and encouraging and it is uh i think it's probably the most encouraging welcoming vibe of any sport that i've been a part of it's amazing because it's kind of doesn't really have that reputation you know but but it is um you know nobody cares how good you are they just care that you're out there working on your own progression and so it's just a, an amazing thing to go be a part of. And, uh, and I skate, I'm uh, pushing 50 years old, and I go to the skate parks around here, and, uh, you know, I'm the only one, even half my age, skating <laughs> most of the time. And um, you go down there, and there's crews of people who are my age. There's... 40s and 50s and 60s who are out there and they're skating and they're good yeah mm-hmm. and uh and so that's really a cool thing to be a part of to mm-hmm. go down there and and recognize that like it's not just a teenager sport you know if you do it right and approach it with respect um you can do it for a long time what your daughter? What if she had to choose between skating or skiing? What do you think oh, she would pick? I wouldn't want to put her in that position. <laughs> I don't know if I want to hear it. <laughs> and is she competitive on skating as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the the other half of the year is traveling to skate competitions. Cool. Well, I think that you know, hearing you describe the skate park scene down there, I think that there's a little translation uh, from there to what's happening in the mountain bike world. And I think what's neat about that is that those a lot of those world class skate parks down there, it was like a com- a community push to raise the money, and it probably wasn't that much money, in the grand scheme of things. But look at how much joy and happiness, and and goodness that it's brought into people's lives for just a small investment in just a simple skate park. And I think that yeah. same thing translates to the bike world these days Absolutely. and we're seeing that more and more Absolutely. for just a small investment in building a rad single track it, it just it can impact so many people's lives in a good way yeah on sure. on the on the skate park thing another really noticeable thing down there is is uh it is like soccer is in the rest of the world you know it is a family activity not only is there Right. Old dudes like me, but there's really young kids and there are whole families who are out at the skate park and they've got coaches and they've got leagues and uh, it just it, it, it is not a place where kids hang out and smoke cigarettes. Yeah, it's, it's not an in- individual sport anymore. It's a place where families get together and get their kids doing something athletic and they take it really seriously or really casually. Um, but it's just the, the positive energy and it is really something to see. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat how that sport has changed from being like just ice group skating just to be a punk and yeah. smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Well, just, well <laughs> I don't know about that, but just a few, but to just to, you know, to, to get it, to escape and to get away from the norm. Yeah. And now 
it's it's cool how it's transformed into it, I'm not going to call it uh, skating hasn't normalized at all but I think that it's not yeah it hasn't lost its it hasn't it, lost its, its core edge. appeal it's still it core. hasn't yeah. Thrasher Mag is still Thrasher Mag it is it's still and, a thing yeah it's still 12 issues a year yep and it's one of the last you know with Kurt being a writer it's 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 a you dying know, breed. It's a dying breed, and yeah. Thrasher, I think, is still still very strong. Still thrashing. <laughs> Who are some of your daughter's heroes? Like, she has such a diverse uh, interest in different sports. Like, who who does she look up to? Um, probably one of one of the biggest ones is is Bryce Wetstein. Wetstein, not sure how you say it, but uh, she's um, a, a pro skater. She was in the Olympics uh-huh. this, this uh, last round, twenty twenty. That was held in, slope, in 2021. In no uh, skateboarding. So uh, no. So in, but in in which park? In park. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we've actually had the the honor of getting to hang out with her at the parks quite a bit down in Southern California, and uh, yeah, look her up and watch, watch some of her videos. She's amazing. Just a, an amazing personality and an amazing talent. Yeah, so it's been been fun to watch her. You know, the, the female skateboarding scene has gone through the roof in the last five or six years. It's really been something to see. So that's a big one. Um, and uh, I mean, man, when it comes to skateboarding, the the young age that they are getting really good at is just remarkable. And there's a whole crew of these girls to keep an eye out on who are dominating X Games at ages 12, 13, 14. Wow. Yeah. It's like gymnastics. Yep. Yep, definitely. What about on the ski side? Well, it's hard to hard to not appreciate what Michaela Schifrin's doing, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 Just, just became the most winning ski racer of all time. Yeah. Just a couple of days ago. She's the GOAT. Yep, she is now. She's, what, 27? Yep. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. She's on a run. Yeah. You can't argue with that one. No. Has she met Michaela? She did. Yeah. Uh, when the World Cup came to uh, Squaw, yeah. uh, whatever year that was, uh, a couple years ago, six right? or so years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I had gotten to meet Michaela and I said, Oh, I, if, if, if I'm out here with my daughter, I've got to introduce you to her. Um, and we did, we managed to make that happen. Um, but my daughter was, uh, you know, seven or something at the time. And she was kind of like, yeah, cool ski racer. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't mean much. (laughs) Well, it's great to be a neighbor to see your daughter's evolution. Just yeah, like thanks. each year. Cause it's like, you know, with these years, so much happens in such a short time, right? Like you look at a kid at 12 years old and then you look at a kid just two years later, it's like a totally different world. Oh my goodness. Right. And then two years after that, it's a totally different world from two years prior. It's just the progression that happens in this age bracket is so monumental that it's pretty awesome to see. And, you know, Tom and myself, we, we've mentored kids over the years in different sports, me on the cycling side and Tom on the snow sports side. And it's so rewarding to see, you know, a kid come up and go from like seeing them from where they started and then 
seeing where they end see up. See where they go. It's pretty yeah. it's pretty amazing. And we don't even have kids, so it must be even that much more rewarding when it's your own. <laughs> it's a trip. <laughs> Definitely a trip for sure. Keep track of it. It goes fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you docu I was gonna say, I know you document these things. Um and uh I'm gonna I'm gonna bait you on this question because I already know, but what do you do to pay the bills to keep your daughter in these sports? What's your profession? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so I mean, I, I know ski. your wife helps a lot, but I, what do you I, I do ski personally? a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I work uh, ski guiding in the winter. Uh, I work ski guiding um, in the backcountry as well as inbounds at uh, Palisades. And, um, so that's the, the wintertime deal. And that's been a, a, a way to eh, more than, more than at least pay for itself. It actually is, has an income to it. Um, and then I have a photography business in the rest of the year. So mm-hmm. I work doing, uh, weddings right now. I'm working hard to book as many weddings as I can for the rest of the year. And, um, and then kind of the flip side the polar opposite of shooting weddings is i shoot a lot of real estate and so that's just just home listings Mm -hmm. and um and that's that's kind of the the exact opposite weddings are this real intense high pressure day and shooting real estate i've got my headphones on and i'm just usually by myself and uh, taking pictures of houses (laughs) it's great (laughs) (laughs) It's a no shortage of a market for that up here. Exactly. Both those things. Yep. Weddings. Yep. Yeah. Both weddings and houses are a good one to be in. And before, and and I, I just learned this about you recently, but before COVID, what were you doing? Oh yeah. I, I was, I had the, the, um, somebody described it to me as the golden handcuffs of, uh, it was one of the, the better ski bum jobs you can have. I was a bellman. I ran the, the bell, department at the village at Squaw Valley. So yeah. moving luggage, you know, it's like <laughs> not uh, at the Death Star, but at, at the village. Correct. The village. Okay. Yeah. So right there at the base. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's like, it's like waiting tables, but, but way mellower, you know? Yeah, working for tips, but it's, that's uh, a great gig. Yeah, it's a good There's gig. a couple of Eric Seals, a local charger exactly. here in Tahoe and he's, yeah. that's been his gig forever. Yep, same he, industry. <laughs> he has been charging the Eastern Sierras for years. Yep. Yeah, exactly. We, we ski a bit it's together a, and cross paths, but yeah, that's, that's a good gig to get into to ski every day. Yeah. I did that for a lot of years. <laughs> 15. Nice. Yeah. So what you're saying is you're a ski bum like me. Lifelong, I'm afraid. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's an okay moniker, but let's let's turn it a little bit to to summer, maybe. And uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about your exploits in white in whitewater, because it, we're on the precipice of of a huge season for you guys. Uh, that's something that I've never really gotten into. I'm I'm always just still out skiing corn and then jumping on the bike every spring. But I know yeah. that you all the whitewater folk are probably just salivating at oh this, yeah this at is this, it at it's, the snowpack and what what's coming up yep Tell it's locked in that. at this point i mean you know we've been watching carefully because you can be you can be ahead of the winter of the average halfway through the winter but if it stops then you're not left with much but at this point we're, we're so far above average that um 
you know, we're guaranteed a great season. And uh, skiing and whitewater, uh, whatever you get, you get it twice. So if it's a bad year for skiing, it's a bad year for whitewater. And right. the flip right. side is also true. Right. So this year, uh, you know, amazing snow year, and it's going to be an amazing year for the rivers. The funds that just good. It's going to keep going. It's just going to keep going. It's just sure. going to be. This has been that. This has been the year of. Another one. Thank you. Another one. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. Another one. Thank you. Repeat. Yeah. I Another mean, it's one. Just thank you. Year. It's yep. in a powder day after powder day. It's yeah. And like, similarly to the ski season, you know, right now we're in this stage of, you know, it's it's actually like too much snow. You know, if it, we right. could get more skiing done, if it would stop snowing, right. and and we're gonna face the same thing in the runoff where the rivers are just going to be too high and we're going to, we're going to face a stage in the runoff where there's almost nothing to paddle because everything is too high. It's too much. I was going to ask you if there's anything that could actually pooch the season. Like if a heat spike comes or no, no, everything's still going to have its window. Um, It's just going to be pushed back. And, and that's actually just so much fun too, because, um, everywhere you go in the in the mountain west uh you know the the white water usually occurs um earlier than you'd like it to relative to the weather and you know a lot of times in the in the sierra stuff is peaking in late march or early april uh and 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 mother nature's not done yet that, well it's 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 great and you have to be prepared and so we are we have dry suits and warm warm gear for cold water um but this year all that stuff's going to be pushed way back and we're going to be paddling amazing white water with hot weather and so that's what that's, that's what that'll be I'm fun really looking forward to yeah so I'll what's be, the wildest thing you've ever run here in california oh man california is is every bit as infamous and amazing for whitewater as it is for skiing and if you travel in the sierra for whitewater in the spring you're going to run into groups from all over the world because the sierra is all that it is world renowned and people will spend years planning their one six-week trip to the sierra during runoff and so um they're the best boaters from all over the world come to the sierra to paddle um, and I'm just not in that league. I've paddled quite a bit and there's a lot that I can paddle. Um, but, um, the, the, the big stuff is, is beyond me. Um, Next so level. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I'm much more into the, um, multi-day wilderness stuff and kind of the obscure stuff. And so what I'm really looking forward to this year is some of the Nevada stuff, um, some of the Nevada and you're talking Kurt's language here. The Carson and the Walker, those are those are um, kind of every. Th- those aren't so uncommon. Those happen every year. Oh, you mean like um, garbage? So yeah, the garbage oh, yeah. and and some of its Bruno. tributaries. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then the Owyhee and some of its tributaries. Yep. Um, the Owyhee actually really interestingly uh, has some of the longest uninterrupted wilderness stretches of river that you can paddle you can in the country you can do close to 300 miles of uninterrupted wilderness 
on the Owyhee. Oh, dude. That's here in Nevada. Here, yeah. Well, it goes into Idaho. And yes. It goes, like, and, it goes and far Oregon. northern. Yeah, it's, does it eventually it go of, to the snake? Exactly. It does. Yep. Huh. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we... Jack, put that one on the ice card. I would love to be... I, I I did some research on the Bruno and the Hawaii and stuff, and like, and then I asked Sam, and he goes, "Oh, that's some of the most bucket list stuff you can do on a raft." Yep, it's and insane. and what what it what makes it so challenging to get to on a normal year is that because it's out in the desert and it gets wrapped up in these, um, you know, March typically mm-hmm. high pressure sunshine windows. Um, the water will go before anybody's really ready to go boating. Right. And so, right. Right. You know, you, you have to go out to those rivers prepared to float them while it's snowing. Right. And that's like pretty standard. I've run various stretches of the Owyhee. Like and, in what, May or April? Oh no, March. March. Wow. Yeah, yeah. March and April. And so, you know, you'll have a hot day where you can be wearing your t-shirt and then mm. the next day it'll literally be snowing in camp. And that's when, the the window to get those rivers is but this year we're gonna we're gonna get them in june uh, man so it's gonna be amazing. now do you are there sensors on some of those remote rivers still mm-hmm. that you can you can monitor those from home and kind of know and make the call and yep play that game yeah and then there are people who've compiled you know estimates based on what some of the gauges are saying so you can sort of gather from the the available input like if this one is saying that it's at this then most likely the east fork is at a runnable level and not that there aren't surprises still out there for sure <laughs> but uh that that's kind of the, the approach now in a year like this too in california is the, the debris that's been flushed through these things it's just got to be why everything's changed probably right yeah yeah um I mean, definitely rapids change, um, you know, uh, big high flow seasons like this will, will almost clean it out. It can do all of the above, you know, it can, it can flush in. So side canyons flush and that's a big thing. That's, that's often what creates rapids is side canyons that, that push in a whole bunch of boulders, um, and then, and then the high flow moves them downstream and that's like what creates rapids. Um, but it, it can go anyway. It can add obstacles. It can remove obstacles. You just got to um, get eyes on it. And... Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the nature of river running is, is you can't really take anything for granted. Even something that you saw yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. What Downeyville, I know the, the North Yuba is a pretty popular spot for kayaking. And when I've been in Downeyville working and, and riding, especially in the spring and the early summer, I see license plates from all over the country, like Vermont, Missouri, Virginia, like people like Sam was saying, they make a pilgrimage, you know, as notorious and legendary as Downeyville is for mountain biking. It's just as legendary and down for For kayaking. kayaking. It's like technical, right? Like super gnarly at times. I've seen guys carrying their boats up. Uh, second divide. second divide yep. before oh, yeah. yeah second yeah. divide like the shuttle yep. that's upper poly eh? yep. yep wow yep yeah yeah that's a that's a classic one definitely it's yeah. like a, a a you know i don't know what it is uh, the hike in is about three miles mm-hmm. but it's a, a full day of kayak and you get out of it yeah right down to town it's world class yeah yeah that's, that's cool a, that's a great one 
Well, we got about 15 minutes left. Palbot, I think we should dive into a little bit of uh, what's been going on in Tahoe this last week. Talk a little bit about what we've been getting after. And then talk a little bit about kind of just the struggles people have been facing with uh, all the snow and rain that we've been seeing. It's just been a wild ride still. Yeah. It's been, you know, I think we did, we're episode number four. We took one week off. And I think when we first started recording, we started talking about, you know, thunder snow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think there was, there was a yesterday or the day there before, was the there was a, there was more thunder snow. Yeah. There was a tornado mm-hmm. outside of the, outside of Davis somewhere or outside of Sacramento, mm-hmm. I saw. But, really? you know, yeah, there, was a, there was an F1 in California yeah. just, just two, two days ago. I mean, we've, we've gotten the whole run of everything for weather. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I just think this, this winter has just been such a, an, an up and down for a lot of people. You know, I've had these high, high of highs at the best powder day ever, which I think we talked about a little bit briefly, Sam, when we first met here over at Kurt's house about how every day the last week was just, it just got better. You know, it got deeper and got better and got deeper all the way till Friday and all the way till Friday. I think yeah. my last day on the snow, I, I, I ended up chasing a really good line and, in, in uh, on Thursday morning, just happened to be right, right behind the Morrison brothers. I darn those guys. Like I'm always just, I sleep in and they get me, but, uh, you sleep I, in God. Yeah, I don't know. I was, That's I was saying something. I was still up at five, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, we just had, had an epic day on Thursday and, and took it all the way till the, till that next storm that came in. And then, uh, you know, I've had some really good cream cheese the last three days. And, uh, you know, Mount, to me, Mount Rose has been where the game is. I, you know, if I think if you live further South Kirkwood probably, and, uh, you know, Kirkwood had some good skiing and Carson pass maybe was good. You had to be, to me, you had to be over 8,000 feet. Yeah. So I've been chasing it up there. Uh, but you know, then, you know, so I've had these great days of skiing, but then I'm coming back and hearing horror stories from, from town and from South Lake. And, you know, there was a, a, a number of roof collapses. The Raley's in South Lake had a roof collapse. The CVS in Truckee had a roof collapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the New Moon in Tau City Moon. lost yep. their awning yep. or some type of, it wasn't like their roof, but I think they had their call entryway. It, their entryway collapsed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got I got some body work today over at High Fives from Karen Stubbs, who's an amaz- amazing therapist. And after my session with her, she, uh, she pointed out that their roof had shed and their exterior wall had been pushed in two or three feet and they broke a window. And, you know, I think that's really just the tip of the iceberg with some of the, the building issues we've been having. Yeah. I don't think it, did, we've seen the worst. About? Yeah. I don't think that we've seen the worst of it yet because it's now only starting to kind of set in. Right. And this, the snowpack is now hardening into concrete yep. and it's going to creep and it's going to creep into these structures. Um, and so, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, I just read this thing today that a hundred homes have been damaged in South Lake with 15 red tagged in the last day. Um, you know, there were three grocery stores in South Lake that had been shut down. I think they reopened one of them today, but like, how do you get, like, how do you get food? Right? Like, it's kind of a problem. Like you got to drive to Carson. If you want to get food, you're going to have to drive to Carson city. Um, cause your local grocery store has been closed. It's a thing. Yeah, um, it's, it's Tahoe seems to be coming unraveled slowly. Like I kind of called it last week and said, "Hey, the, 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 it's going to come unraveled here." Yeah, and then you know we dodged the bullet, which we started the episode with, and right. it really didn't happen. But I think it's just sort of a slow roll right now. Yeah, we dodged uh, we dodged the bullet to the chest, but it hit us like you know in the in the thigh or <laughs> the, le- the knee. Or knee. Or something. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, there was a there was this like public service announcement or this press release that went out by the city of South Lake Tahoe, literally saying, "Please do not harass our plow drivers." Like, there's I guess there's people in South Lake who are pissed off because plow drivers are you know berming them in because there's no place to put the snow and they push just, back the baggins. Yeah, and people are pissed and they're like throwing shovels at the plow driver as he goes by. It's like it's like mayhem and these poor plow drivers. We talked about it last week. Like, buy him a beer. Buy the guy a beer, man. Don't throw a shovel at him. Like he's you know he's just trying to do his job. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's that. Tahoe's taking a beating. Like I, I pu- got one little more song to share with you guys because it is going to be St. Patrick's Day uh, here this week. And since we are here honoring St. Patty's Day, drinking a couple Guinnesses, I found this one. And uh, you know, I d- was just dry. Like, I, I actually have a bit of a commute to get around, you know, t- to work here in Tahoe. And uh, the potholes have just been—it's been next level. Amazing. Like you're just—it's like playing Frogger with your car, but with potholes. Yeah, the potholes have been super gnarly. Like I think we're worse uh, than Ireland. It sounds like. <laughs> oh God, this year for sure. I mean, it's going to be a thing all the way through the summer because there's no way they're going to fix all these potholes by mid. I mean, by the end of the season, they're only getting. I mean, this now we're into the kind of the freeze thaw th- season, right? Yeah. Like we're going to be getting corn snow, and with corn snow comes bigger potholes. <laughs> right i mean it total right like i, I mean, guess it's 50 it's... during the day and 20 at night that that equals bigger potholes um so yeah it, like the the infrastructure is suffering hardcore yeah i don't want i don't want potholes to ruin my to ruin my corn song dude <laughs> back to the corn song oh my god dude <laughs> Jonesing on the corn. I'm, I'm, it I'm, hasn't set up yet. I'm not jonesing on corn. We're going to be playing that for months. I know. It's, I'm so looking forward to the <laughs> Till August. Yeah. So there, there has been some rumors of Mammoth staying open all year. Oh, I wouldn't. So Dodge Ridge just, they just came out. Dodge Ridge is south of uh, Mammoth or eh, maybe west of Mammoth. I don't think it's south. It's like in that it's zone, west. but it's west. Um, all time snowfall record. Uh, their 10-11 season was 643 inches. They just reported 654. We're not even into halfway through. We're halfway through March. They're going to go well over 700 at this point. I mean, I think a lot of the resorts are going to go over 700. Sugar Bowl's knocking on 700 right now. Already. Um, and I, I've been, re- you know, I, I dissect a lot of weather. I'm sure Sam does too, you know, with being a, a ski guide. Uh, and it looks like that we're going to finish this this AR here. And then there is a possibility of a good colder storm again at the beginning of next week. Saw that. So today is Tuesday. So it looks like about a week from today, mm-hmm. I'm calling being back in Powtown. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Which should which should you know potentially push push us over some of those other big years, and then and then we're we're really coming into terms with that being a historic winter here. Well, and making breaking records for me, it's been historic because last Thursday Sugar Bowl opened Palisades. Uh, yeah, I had been scored. waiting years for that one years and it was one of these windows where it was thursday was that day where this the storm was coming in midday but it looked like there was this tiny window of clearing like thursday morning so uh swan john and i were there at first chair the first three hours were amazing man it was a little breezy but not bad but clear and then yeah they popped palisades at like nine forty-five. That's fun. And it was, I got like maybe third or fourth track down this one face that was fucking amazing. It's all like going time. to Alaska. Amazing. It was all, all time. time. It, yeah. 
all time. I like I got to the bottom. I'm like, I could stop right now. My day is good. But I was like, I'm going to go one more, <laughs> you know, just because I can. One more, please. Thank you. <laughs> Another one. Thank you. Another one. Thank you. It's been that kind of a season, man, you know. And on a positive note, so with all the with all the negativity, with the you know just the storms creating all these all this chaos and destruction, and people's homes, you know, being affected and businesses being shut down, T's Rotisserie and in Incline it's Village just reopened. Yeah. Man. Yep. Shout out to T's and Incline. They they got shut down for a hood fire about six months ago, and they're back. And I guess their reopening day, I guess, was like it was. Banger. I saw it. They were out the door. I, I I saw it. It was it was the biggest turnout I'd ever seen in Incline, other than just at the beach for Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so great. Yeah, I'm it was glad. pretty cool. That the second day they were open, I picked up. I told some of our uh, people that work with me at the restaurant, and and they they had heard through the grapevine that Tees had opened. So I I texted them in the morning and got their lunch order and brought them all lunch from Tees. They were yeah. fired up. Nice. Yeah, I mean that's that place is a staple. Post post ski over on roast, post mountain bike on the post trail, everything. Post man. everything. Just it's like rotisserie. the last affordable place to get something to eat. It's it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's, right? it, it's a landmark in Incline. Golden Rotisserie and Truckee and Tees and Incline, man. I don't think Golden Rotisserie is open anymore, is it? Golden? Oh. Well, you're talking about Bills, maybe. Oh yeah, Bill's open. Bill's, Bill's was, was, I think. It wasn't Bill T's brother. Hey, something like that. I think it was like he like he he used to work at T's and then they had a falling out, so then he opened Bill's. Did you go to Bill's, Sam? Yeah, yeah. In the shopping center there. Yeah. yeah. Now it's a Starbucks. Now it's a Starbucks. So when I agree, it's, it's so a Starbucks. So I have fond memories of that place when I went to Truckee High, and it was actually the Burger King. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> was a, it was originally a Burger Burger King, <laughs> and we used to be able to go off campus and then go over to Burger King. Oh man, I was more of a Burger King guy than McDonald's. How about you? <laughs> um, you know, initially I was a McDonald's kid. Okay, and then I started to get into the the Whopper. You know, I, I, I... How about you, Sam? What's your favorite fast food? Oh, uh, Mexican guy. Yeah. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Teas, no Burger King, no, no McDonald's. Yeah, I don't do fast. Yeah, food I don't either. really anymore. But yeah. no, no, the fastest food I do is like teas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the weather for the next few days? I know you guys, you guys nerd out on the, I mean, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm a weather nerd. I think the three of us are weather nerds, but you guys might have a level up on me. Oh, you get some sunshine. I can't yeah, wait. It's going to go bluebird. It looks two like. days. Yeah. Full two days of sun. Full two days. I think so. Which Ooh. is a miracle. It's, it feels like it's been Noah's Ark here with 40 days of weeks. rain and snow. Yeah. Weeks without sun, which is unheard of in Tahoe. Yeah. Yeah. And then, are, so, what? I mean, what are the long-term forecasts calling for as far as snow? Are we going to get, like, cold again? Or is it going to stay warm like it's been this It looks like week? this week is going to stay warm mm-hmm. uh, into the weekend, kind of warming temps with some sunshine. And then a little, it's going to get a little blustery and windy with just minimal snow showers over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then potentially something good again Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week is how I kind of read it. And then past that, I've stopped reading the Tahoe weather report because I'm going to Canada. Oh, that's right. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm already yeah. starting to How read. How's it looking up there? It's looking good. It's, I have a feeling it's just going to, uh, whatever has been happening here is just going to put itself in all of our backpacks on this hut trip mm-hmm. and it's going to come with us up to Canada. Mm-hmm. I'm already reading that, you know, I just, again, look at trends sometimes, but it's trending wet 
where we're going in interior BC, it looks like a 60% chance of rain every day in Nelson that we're up there. Mm -hmm. So that's telling me it's going to be 10 to 10 to 20, 10 to 30 C's every day. Oh, wow. Up there. And it's going to be good. Nice. So I, I past Wednesday next week. I don't care what happens in Tahoe. <laughs> so I'm going North baby. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll mention though, that, you know, with that trip coming, like they've had, a, they've had a, a bad snowpack for most of their year up there. And it looks like it's just finally simmering down and healing a little bit. So, you know, before I go into another range like that, like I I'll start reading the, I started reading the Abbey forecast for interior BC almost two weeks ago on a daily basis, just so I can feel like I, I, you know, I don't have my hands and feet in the snow, yeah. but at least I'm, I'm educating myself in what's been going on so yeah, that I'm, it, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not coming in there totally blind. And then, you know, as soon as we get there, we'll get our hands and feet in the snow and, and check things out. And, and we are going guided catered. And, and the guy that I have is just a, a dear friend of mine. I'm really looking forward to spending some time with him up there. So he'll, he'll put us on the goods, but it's good to familiarize, familiarize yourself with a, with a snowpack if you can, before you, before you rock up. I think Sam's shaking his head and agreeing with me on that yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, you know, both of those things, reading a forecast for weeks in advance is really big, but then even somebody like you, is going to hire a guide. Yeah. And that's yep. just, that, that's the deal, you know. You, well, you end up, you end up having the a better. difference you, between a, a, a good time and an amazing and time. An amazing time. Yeah. And I've realized that up there. I mean, I've, I've done hut trips with, and, and spent time in BC without a guide. I can self-guide for sure. Uh, but if you get, I mean, it'd be like if someone rocks up here to the Sierras with me last week and I got to show them every one of my f- favorite honey holes. Yeah. Uh, that's what I, that's the experience I get up in BC with Russell. Uh, and I'll give a shout out to Russell Herbert. He owns Ice Creek Lodge, uh, and it's just it's just a, a super special facility because he's a modern day shredder. Uh, some of the best lodges up there were originally built put in by Bill Putman, mm-hmm. who was uh, and he was the president of the American Alpine Club and realized back in the day in the '60s that into parts of Interior BC were some of the most you know, unexplored, uh, unclimbed peaks in in North America, even outside outside of Alaska, even. And so he put in the three of my favorite huts, which is Battle Abbey, uh, Fairy Meadows, and Sorcerer are all originally Bill Putman huts. But they those huts were put there for climbing. And the unique thing about where where I'm going is that is it's a modern it's a, a modern shredder. Someone our age or just a little bit younger than me, I'm 50. Uh, he put that he situated that hut in a spot that just has epic skiing. Skiing was first. Climbing was not what he put that hut there for. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm. Well, Sam, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Pleasure. Um, it's, yeah, it's been, been super fun jiving with you for, for this past Good stuff. Hour. I'll come talk about skiing and <laughs> skateboarding anytime. <laughs> We're, um, we haven't been asking our guests this, but I want to start asking them. Where can people find you? Are you on social at all or are you pretty low pro? You could look for me, samhamiltonphoto.com. And um, yeah, I'm pretty low pro, but it's there. Nice. Yeah. I, I like, I Insta. like, cool. I like how you keep and, a low pro. And I'll, <laughs> and, and I'll have to bring in and then one thing that I'd like to ask our guests too, which is, you know, for, for this podcast, you know, we're, t- we're talking about putting our mind in the track. And, and with that said, like, what do you, th- are, are you a religious person at all or, or, or is outside your, your religion? Yeah. Uh, interesting question for sure. No, I, I don't have any sort of ties to organized religion. 
<clears throat> yeah, you know, being outside, I think, is pretty fulfilling for me. I, I don't, it's hard to even know how to compare it because I... I know it's hard to put it in words, but like what, like what is for you putting your mind in the track on a daily basis? It sounds like you ski every day like me, like, you know, what, like... I, I think I can... What does that mean to you? Because I know there's you something You know what, it, it actually means... <laughs> more to me to not be there hmm. that's when i really notice it well yeah as yeah. uh it's i've spent so many years pursuing my passion every day whether it's skiing or going downstream or skateboarding or whatever it is there's various others um that uh where where i really notice it is is when i'm not there doing it and you know, I don't know whether you want to call it religion or, um, you know, just a, a, a life fulfilled. But, um, but yeah, it's a, I, I can't imagine doing it any other way. Um, spiritual. Yeah, that's a good question. Oh, I think you answered it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you, you for that. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said, Sam. I, Thanks again, man. It's been cool driving with you. Yeah. Well, great. Great. Let's do it again. You bet. Oh, we'll have you back on. Cause we <laughs> yeah, got more we, stuff we to got talk some water. about. We, we got wanna... surfing to talk about. We haven't yeah, even touched surfing. I'm an avid surfer too. So yeah, yeah. We got right. we'll have a surfing got... episode with Sam in the great. future. Thanks for listening to episode four of mind the track with Powbot and trail whisperer. We'll see you guys all out there. Thanks Sam. Yeah, Sam until next time, get out there, get deep and put your mind in the track. <laughs>